something wonderful happened uh, after church last Sunday. I, I, we looked at a passage or two about the subject of forgiveness, and someone brought me a list of questions. And uh, I got, I gathered a couple other questions uh, throughout the week and have compiled those. And so today we're going to continue the theme of forgiveness and at the same time really just try to work through these questions. As I was looking at the questions, I thought that the, the structure for this would work better if we just kind of grouped some of the questions together and moved through uh, each question uh, basically in succession. Let me give you the list of questions that arose in the wake of last week's sermon, and then we will look at some scriptures and try to answer some of those questions. So, can there be forgiveness without reconciliation? That is, can a person forgive another person without ever even talking to them? Right? Um, this is a, this is a, a good question, and, and here's why. There are no examples in Scripture of God forgiving someone without completing the circle and reconciling them to himself. Okay? Uh, so, what are we supposed to do? Is it possible for us to forgive without reconciliation, or is are these a package deal? And there's another way in which that question was expressed, and that is, can we forgive someone without them wanting to be forgiven, or if they feel they are not in need of forgiveness? Excellent question, right? Um, can I forgive someone who doesn't feel they're in need of forgiveness? Hmm. All right. Another question, which grows out of that last one. Are we judging others when we extend grace or forgiveness to another? Like, is that a judgmental position that that puts us in to be judging whether or not that person is in need of forgiveness, right? So, another good question. Uh, some more of the questions go like this. Does forgiving someone mean forgetting what they have done to you? In other words, do we have to expose ourselves to the harm that that person caused in the first or second or third reiteration of their sin? Must we continue to expose ourselves to that pain in order to forgive? Must forgiveness include a call to change? And then the final question that we'll try to deal with, uh, can a sinner who continues to sin forgive another sinner? See the problem? If I'm unrepentant of my own sin, does that make me incapable of forgiving another? All right, good questions. And so let's let's start with the first question. Can there be forgiveness without 
reconciliation. Um, Numbers 14, 18 says this, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Um, okay, what does this tell us about God? It tells us that it is in his nature to forgive. However, forgiveness is not the same as justification or clearing of the guilty is what it says there. The declaration of innocence or the taking away of sin. So one could be forgiven and still have consequences to their actions. Does that make sense? Okay. So forgiveness does not mean that the slate is necessarily clean for the offender. Let's let's continue to look into this question. Leviticus 16.30 For on this day atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. Forgiveness does not remove the need for atonement. And here we're talking about divine forgiveness. God can forgive us, and there still needs to be an atonement made for our sin, if that makes sense. So forgiveness is maybe from the heart, and then there are the consequences of that sin that have to be dealt with legally, if you will. Does that make sense? Okay. So I want to create a degree of separation between forgiveness and atonement. These are two separate, at least separate steps in a process that God takes us through when he forgives us. He forgives us and provides a means for the atonement of our sin. What the book of Romans says the wages of sin is death. All right, And so ultimately God's death through Christ is the atonement for our sin. It is because he is forgiving that he carries it through to that extent. All right. It is in God's nature to forgive. Forgiveness does not remove the need for atonement. And let's take a quick look at Romans 5.10. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So we've already stated this. Those whom God forgives, he always reconciles to himself through Christ. And this is a, an important uh, point, perhaps in answering what question are we on? Yes, we're still on question one. Um, God forgave us when we were unrepentant and belligerent. I use the word belligerent just because it's, it's a good word. Uh, but it says here we're enemies with God, which implies warfare. Belligerent 
is uh, the same root as bellicose, which means warlike. It's a Latin thing. Uh, so here you have it. We're at war with God. We're belligerent toward him. And that's the point at which he forgives us. His forgiveness begins at a point of our complete unworthiness. In fact, we're, we're deserving of something far worse. And he chooses to forgive out of love. Love is what compels God's forgiveness. We looked at that a little bit last week. All right. Can there be forgiveness without reconciliation? With God? No. Um, with us, perhaps. Let's, let's look. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through the first half of 45. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is heaven. God does want us to love and therefore forgive. Forgiveness is born out of love. We talked about this last week. Um, Those with whom there is no chance of reconciliation. That is, our enemies and those who persecute us. Those from our perspective with whom we have no chance of reconciliation. We are called to forgive, to love and forgive. Um, I'll put it this way. Let's, let's just for a moment say that the person who has, who has sinned against you to the greatest degree is now deceased. And you are coming to terms with the past. You are trying to understand what happened and why. God calls you to forgive. Is there any chance of reconciliation between you and that deceased person relationally? No. They're gone, right? So that problem cannot be, well, probably better put, that person cannot be reconciled to you relationally. The call to forgive still stands. God wants your heart to be worked toward the point of forgiveness, regardless of whether or not there's the hope of reconciliation. Now, if that person is still alive, are you required, by virtue of your call to forgive, to attempt to reconcile with that person? Uh, you can try. You can also try nailing jello to a tree. Um, okay. Well, I think the next passage will help us. So we're going to move. I'm not sure if we're moving to the next question or not. Yes. Are we judging? 
And does forgiving someone mean forgetting what they've done to you? Uh, But it will also answer the previous question to a certain extent. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. For whatever reason, people love to quote Judge not, lest you be judged. You get that one periodically, right? It's one of everyone's favorites. People often fail to work through to the next point Jesus makes. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. How do you determine whether someone is a dog or a pig. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) But we're not mentioning any names. (laughs) Happy anniversary, honey. Oh, oh, got it. Okay, she was referring to our dog. Our dog looks unusually like a pig. I thought you were just talking about me. After 23 years of marriage, I could, I could get that. I can, I can receive that. I can amen that. I'm what? More what? I am forgiven. Well, not yet, necessarily. She's working on it. 23 years. Of accumulated, yeah, it's like a prison sentence or something. How long have we been married, Kath? Here's your chance. Here's your chance. Like it, it just feels like three minutes underwater, she always says. Yeah. So, two or three of the best years of your life. Yeah, okay. All right. Where on earth were we? How does one determine... How does one determine whether or not someone is a dog or a pig? You could, you could be married to them for 23 years. That will help you determine that. Right? What's that, Sherry? You have to make a judgment call. All right? Uh, obviously, it, right, right. Obviously, God wants you to deal with your own stuff first before making these judgment calls about others. He wants, he wants, and we talked about again, we talked about this last week as well, that forgiveness begins with pretty honest and, and serious introspection. We look at ourselves, our own sin, our own hypocrisy, and then we have to make judgment calls about other people. And Jesus, I am so glad he said these words. Not because they give us a pass, right? We are still called to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. People we cannot stand 
are still worthy of, of God's love through us. But Jesus says, at some point, you're just banging your head against a brick wall. And you need to stop, and you need to think about what's healthy. And you don't have to keep throwing the, the pearl of God's grace and forgiveness and love at someone who's just going to trample on you. You have God-given dignity. This is one of the issues that will be taken up in the boundaries class that Ross will be doing. You have God-given dignity. And we all must learn how to stand up for that God-given dignity in healthy ways. We don't demand things from other people, but we do need to learn to stand up and say, no, that's not right or healthy or good, and I'm not going to let you treat me that way. And so all of these questions, or many of these questions, are addressed through this, through both parts of this little passage in Matthew chapter 7. Can we forgive someone without them wanting to be forgiven? Yes, we can. Um, are we judging others when we extend grace or forgiveness to another? Probably we need to stop and take a serious look at our own sin, and, and then we need to exercise good judgment. Does forgiving, I'm sorry, yeah, or does forgiving someone mean forgetting what they've done to you? No, it does not mean that you have to forget what they've done. So we are to examine ourselves closely, Jesus reminds us, and exercise good judgment without being judgmental. So the fact that someone else is a dog or a pig does not give me the right to be a dog or a pig. This takes all of life to learn. It takes all we've got, all the time, all the prayer, all the devotion we have to learn that we cannot treat others the way they're treating us. We don't have a pass. We're called to forgive. And so determining that someone is in need of your forgiveness is not necessarily being judgmental if and when we have taken a serious, honest look at ourselves. We do need to continue we, I'm sorry, we do not need to continue to subject ourselves to damage from a person who is toxic. There is a point where you can, as to sort of use the wrong biblical metaphor, dust off your sandals and walk away and say, I, I'm not going to continue this unhealthy cycle. It's not good for you, it's not good for me, and it's not good for anyone else. So it stops here. Uh, I've got to go. And that will not always be well-received. But at times, that's your only option. So, ideally, we should seek reconciliation with those whom we are called to forgive. There will come a point where reconciliation, it is obvious that reconciliation will not be an option. It's not on the table. Only the recirculation of unhealthy patterns will be on the table. We still need to forgive, and we, and we need to stand up for what's healthy and right and good. So, what else do we still need to take up? 
think there's another question up there. Must forgiveness include a call to change? This is a... Um, Okay, could be taken in a couple of different directions, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to address both. Let's first look at 2 Corinthians five eighteen through 20. The Apostle Paul tells us here, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, must forgiveness include a call to change? We are called to the ministry of reconciliation. This is part of what it means to be a Christian. So, that reconciliation, Paul reminds us, is first between us and Christ. We have to come to terms with God, ourselves, his love, grace, and forgiveness through Christ. Then we become representatives of Christ which means that our forgiveness in Christ does compel us to change. We have moved from the, from the place of being God's enemies to being his ambassadors. There is a change, and it is a must. We must make this change. We are first changed by God, by his grace in our hearts. The rest of us, we spend the rest of our lives trying to catch up to that truth. So, does forgiveness include a call to change? For us, yes, emphatically and absolutely. What about if we extend forgiveness to another? Does that come with an expectation for them to change or at least be kind. Unfortunately, no. Uh, let's let's take a look at uh, one last passage, Luke six thirty seven. This will also be an attempt uh, to answer that last question: Can a sinner who continues to sin forgive another sinner? I, I hope so. Would be my answer to that question. But Jesus says here. In the Gospel of Luke, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Our forgiveness of others must be unconditional. We cannot hold forgiveness over someone else's head with an expectation that they soften or change, or improve their posture toward us. And I'll say this as to the last question, can a sinner who continues to sin forgive another sinner? Again, that could be taken in several ways. As it it relates to me, Lord in heaven, I hope so. 
because I really have no other option than that of a continual sinner still called to forgive. And so, let me put it this way. We are all familiar relationally and behaviorally with the downward spiral. You can see this in your own life or maybe in the life of someone you know and love or perhaps in the life of someone you can't stand. But the downward spiral it works basically the same way. We, we sin, we, we use things like deceit or aggression or any number of other behaviors to sort of cover over that sin and it makes things worse and worse and worse and worse. You can add in, you can fold in uh, addiction or any number of of human attributes into that equation and it just keeps getting worse. What God is trying to create in us is a cycle of rebuilding where we are forgiven. And at first, when I was 16 and I first understood God's forgiveness for me through Christ, I had no clue exactly how forgiven I was. At this vantage point in life, I have a much deeper understanding of God's forgiveness. I realize it is far more profound than I had ever imagined. And when I reach a greater age, I will have hopefully an even deeper awareness of His grace. And as that deepens in me, it gives me greater capacity to forgive others. And so, as I'm more forgiven, I really can't be more forgiven, but as I realize more the depth of my forgiveness, I'm able to extend more. And this, this whole cycle is building up towards the strength and the grace that God wants all of us to live out of. Unfortunately, we all have, uh, you know, it feels sometimes like we're playing Jenga. And there's always the, the, the person who's going to pull out the wrong one and the whole thing comes crumbling down. It's a, it's a game with wooden blocks if you don't know what it is. And you pull one out and build a tower. You pull out a block. You try to put it on the top and the whole thing becomes unbalanced, right? Like us. <laughs> God is trying to build block by block our lives into a a place of stability and strength and grace and love where we learn more and more that his forgiveness is unbelievably deep and we are unbelievably in need of it. And then as that realization grows, we become capable of extending more. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at what you have done through Christ. You have broken the cycle of sin, the bondage of sin, the downward spiral of our lives, and begun the process of rebuilding one block of forgiveness at a time. Help our hearts to assimilate the depths of of your forgiveness 
And give us the strength to extend your forgiveness to others. You indeed have called us out of the position of enemy to be your ambassadors of grace and love and forgiveness and truth. May we represent you well. And Lord, we confess that that will only happen by the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit. So fill us, use us, and may your light shine through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.